0: Not only is it deeply fulfilling to make podcasts that bring new perspectives on society to folks, with Anchor, it's incredibly simple. It's a free podcast host with tons of creation tools that help make cut and polished podcasts straight from your phone or computer. Anchor makes podcasting simple. They distribute your work to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other major platform distributors. They come with a built-in advertising system so you can make money without a minimum listenership. It's got everything you need to make a fantastic podcast in one place. So go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Hello and welcome to Deconstruct. My name is Fitzgerald Pucci. There are many myths in American society that are causing us to act against our own interests, and Deconstruct's goal is to shed light and give clarity on these myths. Together, we'll trace the origins of the myths our society has forgotten the history of. We'll follow the money trail of the people and institutions who benefit from these myths, and we'll study together how each myth changed the way our world works. Our goal is to equip a listener with a multitude of lenses to see each myth with a fresh perspective and give them the power to reach their own conclusions. Today's myth is going to be one that dives into the elements that rob American romance of its imagination and inundate us with insecurity. This episode is going to help every part of a relation dynamic and it's going to be the beginning of an honest conversation with the men that are listening to this podcast. Men, let's have an honest conversation about the way we were raised up to picture love. We've been conditioned to believe that we have to be someone's everything. We've been conditioned to believe we needed to be a one-stop shop and provider of literally every human amenity that our significant others could need. Let's begin breaking down the myth that men need to be the total providers of everything for their significant counterparts because it creates a toxic expectation that can really do our psyches and uh, relationships some harm. All right, let's get right into it. I was talking with a good friend of mine the other day about what this looks like, the desire to create generational wealth and be able to provide a comfortable means of living for the person he'll end up settling down with. They're noble ideas and it's a natural urge for men to want to contribute to the trope men have of being the breadwinner and giving luxurious lives, giving the world to their partners. Does this mean that we want to participate in the ideology supporting breadwinners? There's a lot to unpack here. First, Let's focus on what the idea of being the primary provider in a relationship does to the power dynamic. In a heteronormative relationship, heteronormative meaning a relationship that focuses on a straight-passing couple and passes that as what is deemed normal in uh, the typical idea of romance. Every Hallmark movie you've ever seen, a vast amount of the love movies, the rom-coms, follow a heteronormative pattern. Well, that continues upon the quiet expectation of 1950 standards, of the Cadillac, the white picket fence, the American Dream, and the pay gap differentiation that created the glass ceiling the factor that actively caps the salaries of women at a lower proportion to what men make because of overtly sexist reasoning. The fantasy of being someone's fantasy deeply inhibits the ability of the non-male aspect of the relationship. It prevents them from from achieving tenacious and lucrative goals of their own. We have absorbed the idea that to financially provide is to satisfy the requirements of a loving partner, because we've been brought up by a series of myths, marketing campaigns, and commercials to believe that love is most effectively expressed through resources and commodities. Hallmark cards, chocolates, giant teddy bears, diamond rings. So many of these industries directly depend on our visualization of love as a presentation of goods and materials. We do not recognize how damaging this approach is to the balance of our relationships. Personally, my goal in creating a long-term partnership looks diametrically opposite to this. My goal is to cultivate a sense of unconditional love with the partner of my choosing. It means a lot of different things. It means reaching as perfect a balance as possible with my partner by consciously holding each other's strengths and imperfections and allowing the space to mutually grow, learn, and take into studied consideration the practice of the love languages that make our partners feel the most loved, understood, and held. So where do finances come into the picture? Well, they're one of the starting blocks that we use to boil ourselves down and compare our societal counterparts to. We know from yesterday's podcast. And take a quick moment here. If you haven't listened to episode six, I highly recommend you pause the podcast, check episode six out, and return to this podcast when you're done. Okay, going to give you a second. Pause it if you want to. Okay, here we go. Let's continue. We know that there's a vast network of comparable pieces of our identities and existences that can be compared to create the sensation of feeling superior or inferior to our counterparts. Income is one of the most impersonal means of comparison, and it's also one of the most measurable. This comes together to create a really toxic system of artificial value and the commodification of love and the idea of what desirability is and how income in another person is fantasized about and turned into something that gets so much more attention than it really ought to deserve. It can be a really dangerous business to fall into the trap of believing that a wealthy man is a capable caretaker. It can be a really dangerous trap to fall into the idea that wealth becomes value in a romantic aspect. These bring forth some really toxic behaviors and ideologies. A lot of the time, the excess of money leads to a means for men to expend their own currency as a substitute for the things that make great relationships. Proper communication, personal sacrifice, gentleness, emotional support, developed talents and creativity. A wealthy man can simply pay the baker to make them a beautiful cake, or buy the expensive gift that implies to their partner that they are loved and cared for. It's dangerous business to assume a wealthy man to be a capable and caring partner right from the bat. Until one demonstrates that they raise the green flags, the signs of a significant other that show the opposite of red flags, that someone fits the criteria of what one would want and hope for in a mature and stable relationship. If I don't see green flags coming from someone using their wealth, I take Everything that I see with a grain of salt. These people could be self-centered and have the tendency to solve their problems with cash bandages. Mm -hmm. That can make for a deeply toxic soil in a relationship. So the moral of this story here is we pay too much attention to money as a society when determining who we want to partner with. And that... Asymmetrical focus on that particular trait can lead us into a lot of hardship and emotional difficulty, emotional turmoil in the relationships we get into. Let's return to the thoughts that men were brought up with, that somehow it was our duty to be the provider of every need that our partners could have. That's just not feasible. We can't be their everything, and this is rooted in a deep sense of insecurity that plagues the masculine thought structure. It reinforces the belief that we have to constantly, on a second-by-second basis, prove our worth and prove our value through outlandish acts. It disrupts the space of give-and-take, the rhythm of gentle push-and-pull in a relationship's dynamic that allows for the exchange of thoughts and goods and satisfactions that create the space where unconditional love can begin to build itself. We do not want to contain all the power. We do not need to be the monolith that provides everything for our romantic counterparts there are far better and more equitable ways to express the love we feel towards the people we care about. This cycle is something that men would do incredibly well to let go of. It creates a double-edged sword of toxicity. It limits the agency of our partners, as well as their ability to provide and take care of us. It doesn't have to be one-sided. In fact, The mutuality of care and expressions of love languages is really important. The exchange of love and the exchange of care deserves to be a conversation in our relationships, not a monologue. And holding ourselves to the standard to be everything at all times suffocates the space where that mutuality would grow. So it isn't helpful for the dynamic of the relationship, now I want to talk about how it just plain damages us men. It spreads us too far thin to even think about providing everything. How much of us remains at the end of a day of tending to every need our partner experiences? How much of ourselves do we expend in maintaining the fantasy-like idea of being an everything-man? Furthermore, if we expend so much of our resources to maintain a hyper-romanticized version of ourselves, we eradicate the chance we get to be vulnerable and honest and small with our partners. It can be so scary to even imagine being small because we are so pressured to be big in every instance we interact in but it is so powerful to be able to embrace the idea of being small. It allows for space for our partners to meet us in the middle. The expression of love, when it lacks vulnerability and creates a false characterization of ourselves, becomes less an expression of love and more an expression of control. And that's a practice us men ought to leave in the 20th century. It's okay to not be able to fulfill every need. How would you feel if there was someone hanging and doting on every need that you had at all hours of the day? Aggressively trying to solve even the smallest and most manageable of issues. For me, I'd get really frustrated, and I'd feel like I were being treated as an incapable and codependent child. There's a whole bunch of not healthy stuff going on in that feeling. People know how to take care of the parts of themselves they need to handle by themselves, both you and your partner. To sacrifice one's own ability to maintain their personal balance, to make aggressive guesswork at how to handle another's, is a process that's going to start more fires than it will extinguish. Where does this desire to prove everything and be everything even come from? I believe it comes from the deep insecurity men feel towards the competition they face in finding partners and feeling valid in romance. This is one of the places where the insecurity of comparative resources, of breaking ourselves down to engage in that cutthroat process, it becomes absolutely crushing. And it ends up hurting a lot of people. A personal example. When I was 15, I was obsessed with the idea of being impressive to people I wanted to attract. I strutted around like a peacock and wanted the sensation of my own ego's greatness to be the thing that won my desired partners over. Women, men, non-binary folks a great red flag to determine if someone is unfit to pursue a deep romantic relationship with you is whether or not they spend more time trying to impress you than connect with you and at the age of 15 i found myself dating someone three years older than me i thought i had won the lottery i was absolutely smitten with them and i wanted to provide literally every aspect of comfort affirmation and excitement they could ever need. They ended up cheating on me with four other men during the time we saw each other. It was a cataclysmic hurt and a near death blow to my ego. When things like that happen to men, new sensations like deep trust issues and vivid paranoid imagination come into the picture. The very thought of infidelity is enough to even today dig a lot of that hurt back up. But I'm not just a victim. I have also hurt people in the way that I have embodied facets of the behavior that traumatized me when I was younger. It gets really sticky. It gets really painful from a really vulnerable place. So men, One of the hardest things about letting go of the way we've been conditioned is finding answers to the insecurity we feel through that comparison. At least, finding answers to the insecurity that won't keep us awake and sweating through our bedsheets through the hours of the night. Instead of developing meaningful connections and feeding the growing body of my relationship, I got caught up in the noise of machismo. Machismo is the hyper embodiment of acting macho, putting on a tough, stoic, emotionless, dominant, and egotistical face in order to puff out one's chest and appear the most desirable. It's machismo and ego coming together in my adolescent brain that made me so obsessed with constantly being impressive. It cost me a lot of great and valuable connections I could have made if I gave the people around me as much interest and attention as I wanted to command from them. I'll say it loud and clear to the populace. We cannot be everything our partners need. We need to let them have avenues of catharsis and joy that do not center us. We are not the centers of the universe to our partners, and to believe so is a recipe for disaster. It makes sense to want to build wealth. It makes sense to want to work hard towards the aspects of realizing the dream that allow us to give to our loved ones in a way that parallels the depth of the love we feel for these people. But GIFTS are only one of the five different love languages that exist and it can be immensely helpful for us to explore the others. They are physical touch, words of affirmation, acts of service, and quality time. And all of us have very nuanced and intricate reactions to both giving and receiving these different love languages. If our endeavors to meet the needs of our partners come from a place of avoiding the insecurity we feel, it is almost certain that we will increase the tension that accumulates over time and destroys good relationships. If we want to get serious about being the best partners we can be, We need to come to the table with actions and thoughts more imaginative than the monolithic idea of bringing home the bacon. Our partners want to share life with us, the work, the support, and the decision-making power. It's why the term partner came into existence. We want to treat them like the co-pilots of our relationship not subjects to be domesticated with treats and trinkets. These are deep-rooted patterns that men have forced themselves to adopt in order to fill the gaping void that our insecurity and fear of being abandoned and humiliated set the stage for. Having these conversations, and letting go of the notions we're holding on to, the desperate need to remain in control, and the desire to be the monolith that our partners get everything from, they're going to require us to have difficult conversations with our friends, support systems, and partners. But there are few things that help build the strength of unconditional love than these difficult conversations. Not only does having them show a deep level of trust in the other person, To bring these struggles to communication. But the validation you could receive from the people you confess to could be one of the most life-changing catharses of our lifetimes. I want to thank you so much for making it to the end of today's episode. It's been such a powerful experience to unravel the ways that men have been trained to treat romance and love. To let go of some of the patriarchy and dominance that we have found ourselves holding on to. If you have any stories or experiences as a man practicing patriarchy or someone who has experienced it, I want to open the space of Deconstruct Up to hold your stories and hold your narratives. You can reach out to us on our Facebook, our Instagram, or our Twitter to begin having these talks. I want to dedicate the space this podcast offers to listen to the stories that have to be told. If you're interested in reaching out, you can find us on Linktree. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Deconstruct Podcast. You'll be able to find all of our social media networks and all of the platforms that we send our podcasts out to. We want to help support you and your journey and growth as a person. And speaking of support, I want to ask you today from the bottom of my heart to consider becoming a founding member of Deconstruct. Whether it be the price of a cappuccino or a crisp $20 Harriet Tubman bill, any contribution on a monthly basis you're willing to make helps us make powerful, evocative content for dozens of episodes to come. It would truly mean the world, and I cannot wait to see where we can grow together in the next coming weeks, months, and years. I wish you joy, I wish you peace, I wish you health, and I wish you safety. Stay cool, stay sharp, and stay beautiful. I'm Fitzgerald Pucci, and this is Deconstruct.